This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Thursday, February 13th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Tapp, and today on the podcast, we're taking a break from the headlines and playing back a conversation I had earlier this week with Evan Brennan. Evan is an agent who represents football coaches and over 25 professional football players, and I went into this conversation not totally sure what we're going to talk about or where things would end up going and if the end product would be something usable for the podcast. But I came away really impressed by Evan's knowledge and candor about the challenges facing his profession, particularly where it intersects with college athletes who are just beginning their professional careers and the challenges they face transitioning from an environment regulated by amateurism to one regulated by something at least somewhat resembling a free market. So let's go now to our conversation with Evan Brennan. Welcome back to the College Football Daily. I'm talking now with Evan Brennan. He's a NFL players and coaches agent for United Athletes Sports, and he's been working in that industry for 10 years, currently representing more than 25 players. Evan, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us today. I guess let's start all the way back at the beginning for you in your origin story for how you became a sports agent. Sure, yeah. Um, I was at BYU. A lot of my buddies were on the team. I was a student, and uh, they were getting hit up by all these agents. I was the son of a lawyer, but I was the same age as these guys, and for some reason they thought I might know something about playing at the next level and, uh, you know, negotiating contracts. And so they wanted me to sit in on their agent meetings and give them some advice. And, and I did, and, uh, got a lot of recommendation from, uh, the, uh, uh, OC at BYU, who I now represent Robert and I, and, uh, really kind of pushed to kind of give it a go. So I went to law school, um, got a master's in sports business management and got lucky and, here I am representing all these guys in the league. So uh, something that you've said in uh, this YouTube series that you're, that you're doing, uh, kind of giving people behind the scenes look at, at what you do and, and the kind of guidance you offer is that when you were breaking into the industry, you felt like there was a, a, a lack of information and you're kind of trying to help clarify that uh, or provide that to people who are behind you. So, I mean, how, in what ways was that an impediment for you getting in? And uh, I guess, how did you kind of scale those impediments? You know, I felt that a lot of agents um, were very scared of competition, so they didn't want to, you know, really talk about what they did. Um, I feel that sometimes agents uh, previous to me would kind of take advantage of the uh, the mystique, uh, the lack of clarity, the lack of transparency around getting into the league and how things work and take advantage of people uh, because there just wasn't, you know, a lot of information out there. Um, and so I really, uh, had to kind of do a lot of trial and error, to be honest with you, and kind of learn through the school of hard knocks. I mean, I went to law school, uh, I have a master's degree in this, but it was more theoretical than it was the actual daily practice. And so as I, you know, 
started getting guys drafted, working on second deals in the NFL. I, I felt back to my younger years when I quite frankly didn't know exactly what I was doing and I didn't want as many people to have to struggle. I wanted people to get into the business for the right reasons. And the way you do that is create a, a sense uh, and a way to be transparent about it. And I wanted my clients to know what I'm up to, um, to understand how difficult of a grind this really is and, and what the business is really like. I think they appreciate me more. And so all those things kind of culminated me really doing what I'm doing. So I, I, th- I think a lot of people listening probably have an idea in their head of, of what a sports agent is and what he or she does. But I guess if I fell out of a, a spaceship that was traveling here from Mars and I'd never heard of sports before, I mean, how would you, how would you describe kind of what you do and what your relationship is like between yourself and the, and the people you represent? Well, we wear a lot of different hats and we can do a lot of different things, but I think most generally uh, we're we're someone that's there to be a great advisor for a lot of different aspects for a player. We're supposed to give great advice uh, to how they get into the NFL, how they stay there, give them great advice on business opportunities that can come about, uh, you know, through being in the NFL. We help guys create a platform. Uh, We help guys create a voice. And then we protect them against uh, people that want to take advantage of them, including NFL teams. When they get injured, we enforce their contracts, we ensure the rules are being followed. And we make sure that uh, they're on the right track so that years back, looking back, that uh, they're not in a position where they were like, man, if I'd only done you know, things a certain way, things could have turned out differently for me. And that's really what an agent does. He's a great sounding board, and he's a great advocate, and he's a great advisor. That That's interesting. Um what you're saying made me think of how it, it I, and I, I don't have data at the ready, but it feels like the current professional football player is a lot more um, kind of mindful of things like injuries and maybe their career might be shorter than it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, two decades ago. And maybe that'll be a choice that they make on their own for, for health reasons. Um, uh, even if it's just preventative health, uh, I, I wonder how injuries and concussions and, and all that kind of like factors filters down to, to your, to, to, to the kind of work you do. You can. I mean, uh, we're very mindful of injury waivers that teams will try to throw into contracts. Um, guys do get injured. We're probably a lot more likely to seek second medical opinions to make sure that teams aren't trying to sneak one by us. Um, we're mindful on much more mindful of second careers. And like I said, building a platform uh, that can be utilized after careers done. Uh, there's more money to be made initially in football than there was before. There's more notoriety, publicity branding that can occur with football and so players are much more cognizant of you know what can happen after football that football is much more of a means to an end i think agents been preaching that for a long time i'm not sure that they really meant it earnestly and i don't think many players took them up on it as to the extent that it's occurring now um but yeah i agree with you that players are very cognizant um, much more than they used to be that there's life after football, prepare your body for life after football, prepare your platform for life after football, uh, prepare your abilities and skill sets for life after football. And an agent should be really at the forefront for helping you out with that. Uh, so a thing I'm really curious about is what the process is like for players who have either just completed their college eligibility or have declared early for the NFL draft. How do they end up how do they end up getting connected to people like yourself? Is there any kind of formalized process or is it kind of just a, a free for all? 
There's not. I mean, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. Some guys go off of referral or reference from their coaches or from people they know or players they know in the NFL. Some players are, you know, it's cold calls where the agents hunt them down like a sales prospect. Uh, there's a lot of different ways it can come about. There really isn't a standardized process. Some schools uh, have a very formalized process where they have to go through and apply, and the, the school's compliance um, committee and division will put you in front of the player, and you are required to pitch and have meetings under their guidance. So there's just a lot of different ways, um, and it, it could come about in, in many different respects. It could start two, three years in advance. It could start you know, two days before they sign with you. It really just depends on the player and, and the circumstance. It's, it's a little bit wild. Uh, among your colleagues in the industry, is there a general feeling that some kind of standardized process would make things better? Or is this system maybe working better for some agents than it does for others? Or what's, what's the vibe there? I don't think there's a lot of harmony. I mean, I, I think everyone wishes it was better, but as to what ways it could be improved, I think if you change certain things, it would, you know, hurt other people's abilities. Um, if we did it a different way, it would hurt other people's abilities. So I think that many agents have many different tactics and changes, you know, could either hurt or help others. And so agents are very, very mercurial, very adaptable, malleable um, creatures. We have to be. As things change in our business, you either adapt and find ways to survive or you move on from this business. It's really that simple. So when you've, when you're contacting a player af- after, uh, you know, you're, once you're allowed to, uh, what, I mean, what is kind of your, the, the, the pitch that you make to them about, about what you're going to be able to do for them? Maybe you answered that a little bit earlier with my previous question, but, um, you don't have to give me the whole spiel, but sure, just, sure. uh, well, it's a little different age to agent, but for me personally, well, I'm trying to connect with them. I'm looking for people that are going to be smart. I'm looking for people that the NFL already has an interest in, and I'm looking for people that are going to be honest with me and value what I bring to the table. I'm looking for players that uh, possess the requisite skill set, the requisite size, athleticism. They're smart. They'll pick up a playbook very quickly. They don't have a long track record of injuries. The NFL will freak out about it at a later point. I'm looking for people that really want a consultant, an advocate behind them. I'm looking for people that are going to value what I bring. Um, I'm looking for people that want a plan, uh, a step-by-step process from how they're going to go where they're at today to a long NFL career. And then they want someone who's going to shoot them real straight, be real honest, have experience, and be really connected with the NFL front offices. So let's say you have that conversation. They say, yeah, I, w- I want to sign up uh, with Evan Brennan and United Athletes Sports. Then what, what is the level of interaction that you have with them on a day-to-day basis through, from that moment until they're uh, drafted or signed? Very, very, very frequent. Sometimes several times a day. Prior to on this call, I talked with probably rookies and veterans, probably 15 of my clients today. Um, and that will continue throughout the day. So there's a very, very close interaction. Many of these guys will train at different training facilities. We're constantly keeping tabs on where they sit. We're inter- interacting with teams, trying to get feedback on what they need to do to improve. Uh, we're talking with them as far as getting, you know, off the field opportunities set up. Uh, there's just tons of communication constantly, daily. Um, it's, it's, being an NFL player is a very intricate business and getting in the league is a very intricate business. And you need so many things set up, uh, travel, logistics, uh, you know, media opportunities that uh, we're, we're engaged with them constantly. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll be back with more from Evan Brennan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it, it seems like I don't know when you're when you when you're saying that you know you want to work with uh, you know there's there's an amount of football expertise that uh, is seems is required to to do your job well, and I just wonder like how what kind of resources are available to you guys that like kind of provide you with like scouting and evaluation information so you can kind of get a framework of okay what is where is this guy like realistically expected to go or do you just kind of have to make that judgment by yourself it would seem like a lot to ask (laughs) for you to be an expert in in law and contracts and also uh, evaluating players being an agent is a very, very <laughs> multifaceted uh, thing. You need to be an expert in marketing and branding, social media. You need to be an expert in contracts. Um, scouting, um, you know, really the best way to do this is not to sign players that NFL teams don't have interest. So the most successful agents have these very close-knit relationships with NFL teams where they're able to kind of pick the brains of scouts. Who do you like? Who do you not like? Where do you see this guy going? Um, is this guy going to test well? Is this guy an idiot? Does he have a problem with character? And you're going off of kind of the wink, wink, nod, nod, um, you know, referrals of NFL teams. Um, and if you're signing players that the NFL has no interest in or NFL teams don't have any interest in, you're making a horrible business decision. But if you sign a guy that, you know, the teams are already very, very interested in and already think you're going to go high, um, you're going to be very, very successful. It's really that simple. How does the emergence of, I mean, we're talking about this in terms of the NFL, uh, but how does the emergence of leagues like the XFL, which just debuted uh, the weekend previous to when we're recording this, and the now deceased AAF impact your profession, if at all? It mostly impacts two two things. Guys that get cut um, every offseason, about 1,200 players uh, before the regular season begins get cut. And those players, you have a choice, hang it up or go to one of these secondary leagues and try to get back in. And so a place like the AAF or the XFL provided a landing place. If you watch the XFL games this weekend, the majority of those players were previously either undrafted free agents that didn't make it or draft picks that didn't make it as well, or players that didn't get a second deal and they want to continue on with their football careers. So for every agent that has guys that get cut and don't get an opportunity with the NFL, the XFL provides a landing spot. The other thing it impacts is how many undrafted players get into the league uh, in a given offseason. Whereas before, when there wasn't these secondary leagues, you could count on you know hundreds and hundreds of players being signed. But now, at the end of the XFL season or the AAF, as we saw the other year, um, 
undrafted players are in competition with these players um, uh, from these leagues to be signed immediately after the draft. You're, you're seeing that as well. They're taking up those spots. And so from an agent standpoint where you could say, okay, we're going to sign this guy. He's probably not going to get drafted. What's his chances of making it? You've got to be mindful that maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 spots that normally would have been available for those college players that aren't going to get drafted, are going to be chewed up by um, these AAF and XFL players. Uh, with the NFL getting rid of or lowering the three years removed from high school rule, from your perspective, be good or bad for business? You know, I I think that 99.9% of the players that would fall into that bucket, um, I don't think are physically ready. Uh, if you look at a player that um, is, you know, a year or two removed from high school, they just they just don't possess the right weight, the right mindset to be capable uh, to make it. Are there exceptions to this rule? Absolutely. There's very, very, very few and far between. Some people may say, well, let the market dictate that. Um, and there may be some wisdom to that. But my guess is, is that many of the players would fall flat on their face. They would have less value to the NFL initially than others would make them believe. So if they lowered the rule, um, I know that it's already been challenged by people like Maurice Claret, Mike Williams, and they haven't been successful. Um, I, I think that there maybe could be some players that easily could take it, but they'd be so few and far between. I'm not sure it's worth it. One of the things, as I mentioned, I watched your YouTube series, and uh, one of the things that really jumped out at me was in the episode uh, where, where you're talking kind of directly to the player who's getting ready to be interviewed by NFL teams. And uh, one of the things that you say is that uh, if, if you went to a good academic school or a service academy, that you should go out of your way to make it clear that uh, the the good academics uh, were, were kind of secondary in their decision to go to that school and that football was their primary motivation lest they be perceived as uh, not loving football. And I was just curious what about what experiences you've had guiding players through this process that kind of formed that advice. There was a lot of guys out of BYU. They've taken two years away from football to serve uh, LDS Mormon missions. It's a very common refrain in your NFL teams is if you love football, um, more than anything, you wouldn't have done that. So you must not love football. Football must be a hobby for you. Same with academies. If you chose to go to the academies, you must have loved something more than football. Otherwise, you would have gone somewhere else. Um, sometimes you see it with Ivy League players. I've represented Ivy League players that have been drafted. Um, and they've had to overcome that hurdle. So teams want to know, are you a guy that in camp's going to give everything you've got? Is this your only option to be successful? Are you going to give us everything you want? Or are you... Just kind of, you know, bouncing around. And if this doesn't work out, you'll go be a VP somewhere. You'll go work at, you know, Morgan Stanley. You'll, you'll go do, you'll be an analyst somewhere. Um, while the NFL likes smart players, as I mentioned earlier, they want someone who's all in on football and also possesses those traits. So I try to coach players to, when they're interviewed, to come off as not only impressive as a human being, but come off as impressive in their dedication to, to football. Yeah, the reason I ask about that is it, it seems to me that the run-up to the NFL draft is this moment in the football calendar where the contrast is especially sharp between the reason the NCAA and the stakeholders and the amateurism model pretend elite football players go to college and the reasons they actually go to college. And then suddenly they're out of college and they're being evaluated on a rubric that has a lot more to do with their shuttle time and their Wonderleg score than you know what they majored in. And I was just curious about whether that disconnect between what the NCAA asks of its players and what the NFL asks of its players is something that 
kind of makes your job more difficult as you prepare them to enter this new marketplace where they're kind of being evaluated against different criteria than they had been previously. All right, and it can. And on the flip side of what I just said, if you get a player that can run a crazy 40 and Rod Burton is a stud on the football field, but he's not real smart, teams are not going to have a lot of patience with him if he can't pick up the playbook. They'll move on very quickly from him, particularly in college where some of the schemes are pretty basic compared with the NFL where they're, you know, they're much more uh, nuanced and a lot of study has to go on. If you're a guy that was thriving off of a three-route tree as a wide receiver, that's not how the NFL is going to be. It's going to be very nuanced and teams are going to move on very quickly from you or not value you if you just don't present the right, the right mental hardware. So it's a tough balance. You go with really smart players, the challenge is how committed are they to football? You go with really, really dumb players that are freaks in terms of their athleticism. Well, are they smart enough to pick up a playbook and to make, you know, smart plays? So it's a real balance, an individual case, side by side by side, and case by case by case with different players. So, Evan, I, I work for 24-7 Sports. I, I don't know how familiar you are with our company and what we do, but kind of uh, uh, our calling card in the industry is our, our recruiting rankings. And every every time around NFL draft season and, and a and a former two-star goes in the first round, we kind of get some grief on Twitter. And I, I was just wondering, being in the in the line of work that you're in, if you – uh, you know, have any have any takes on the uh, the, uh, the job that we do uh, recruiting players, and is that something that you talk about uh, with the guys that you represent at all? Like how they were kind of branded coming out of high school? To be honest with you, I, I like a little bit of under the radar players. They're more likely to be more loyal to their agent. Um, not everything's been given to them, uh, but on the flip side, uh, why would they rate two stars? Um, to be honest, with you, I don't really care. <laughs> Uh, as long as they possess what the NFL wants. Um, but I, I understand why players develop later, just like in, in, in the pros, guys go undrafted. You see these guys getting second contracts. I mean, I present the highest paid long snapper in NFL history. Um, he was a linebacker in college and um, was undrafted. And now he's making a lot, a lot of money. No one thought he was a big deal. And so people develop, things change. That you can't always predict. Um, there's things that go into this that are just by chance. So, yeah, my take on it is is I get that people are developmental, and a lot of those developmental guys, they don't pan out big time. And so why would you invest or rank or whatever if they just don't possess at that given moment uh, what other people do? On uh, the flip side, there are people that are buffed that possess everything in the world uh, from an athleticism size standpoint, but don't have other intangibles that are really hard to measure um, that could uh, make them even better than what they are. So I don't fault you guys or give you grief in any way, shape or form. Um, I'm doing your business just in a different format and it's, 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 it's a rough gig. Gotcha. Um, well, uh, that's all I got for you. Question wise, is there something about your line of work that you think a lot of people misunderstand or a question that you'd wished I had asked you about today? Um, here's what I would tell you. Most, what people don't get is about, there's about 800 agents uh, that are certified by the NFLPA and about only a hundred of them. So about one in eight are making money and they're really representing players. Uh, most of the guys that are doing this, they're not. It's a very difficult business. We spend uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on investing in players that may make it or may not. So in some ways, I'm doing the same business you guys are with ranking players. So I'm investing money in those rankings. And if it doesn't pan out, I lose it. And that's how I feed my children. So People that want to get into this business, they need to really understand it and you understand the business side of it 
it, it's really cool when things are going really well, and it'll push you to the verge of, verge of bankruptcy when it's not. And so um, what I would tell people is that they want to get involved in this business. It's a wonderful business, but there's very few people that are successful because of the reasons I just stated. Just make sure you know what you're doing. Work with someone. Um, get mentored by someone that really knows what they're doing, and you have a much higher chance of one in eight than the regular Asian that gets into this business does. All right, Evan Brennan, thanks so much for talking to us today. No problem. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again to our guest, Evan Brennan. You can find more information about Evan and his work in today's show notes. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.